Galatians chapter 5, if you have a Bible and would like to turn there, we invite you to do so. Uh, or on your, uh, on your mobile device or your touchpad, or it'll be on the screen also. A couple minutes, we're on our second Sunday of our fall series in Live It Up. It's the third uh, piece of our uh, tagline, Green Tree Community Church. Dig in, branch out, and live it up. The Live It Up part of this sermon series de- is dealing with the inner life transformation that God does uh, once we become followers of Jesus. As we come to Christ in faith, then the work that God does going forward is to shift us from uh, our self-centeredness and our me-centeredness to a life of looking more and more like Jesus. It's both an internal change, that, but it's also visibly externally. I look different, I act different because I'm thinking differently and my spirit is growing differently as a follower of Jesus. Now, this is not a one and done. So you say, well, I, I, I want to you know, uh, grow in Christ. I want that inner transformation immediately, and I want it to always work all the time. Scripture tells us that this transformation is different than our salvation. Once you are saved, when you put your faith in Christ for salvation, that is a one and done. You are saved. You will be saved. You, you are now belong to God. But the changing of your spirit, the changing of my heart, the changing of our lives, our priorities, our attitudes, our behaviors to look more like Jesus is an ongoing process. And dare I say, as we'll see in this passage this morning, it's an ongoing daily struggle. This is a struggle that never goes away. So we need to be equipped to know what it means to actually follow Christ as we're being transformed by his spirit, which is what we're going to learn this morning. Because we don't choose when and where the battles will be fought in our lives, do we? You don't know what's going to happen today after lunch. I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't know where the struggles will be. I could maybe guess at it, but ultimately I don't know where God's going to uh, have things in my life that cause me to go deeper in my faith or cause me uh, in my own sinfulness to move away from him. Only God knows those things. Only God controls those things. So we're called to trust him as we enter into this struggle. Cindy and I went last night uh, and to the five-star theater. Have you been to the five-star theater? You could watch paint dry at the five-star theater. It, doesn't, it, it really wouldn't matter what you were watching. It is so comfortable in there. But we went and saw the movie Sully, which is about the, uh, the airplane that, was, uh, that landed in the Hudson River in 2009. And, and the captain, the pilot, and the co-pilot safely guided this plane to a water landing in the middle of January, and all 155 people survived. And in the movie, they're showing kind of the follow-up, and they're asking questions of the pilot and the co-pilot. And at one point, they say to the co-pilot, if you could do anything differently, would you do anything differently? And he thought about it for a minute, and he said, well, if I could do anything differently, instead of landing in the Hudson in January, I'd have landed in July. <laughs> right? <laughs> Makes sense on two levels. Of course, the water was warmer, and of course, he didn't have a choice as to when this tragedy was going to occur. You and I don't have a choice in when the things of life come at us, but God provides for us so that when they do, as God is transforming us, our trust and our hope can be in him. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Hear the word of God. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They are, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. 
sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray. I'm going to give you a moment for silent prayer to ask God to speak into your life this morning. Then I'll, I'll pray corporately for us. Father, we thank you this morning that you call us to worship you with our minds, with our intellect. Father, we thank you that you give us your word, which is ancient and yet applicable today. Father, we thank you for this word, which has been around for many, many years and yet will be true even into the future. Father, we thank you that this word penetrates into our the deepest parts of our hearts and our minds because we do not want to be superficial in our faith and our understanding of what it means to be in relationship with you. Father, this is a challenging life. The call to be a disciple is a glorious one and it is a challenging one. Father, for those of us here this morning that uh, want to walk with you, that claim this newness of life, Lord, we struggle every day. There are moments when we look very, very different than what we profess to believe. So, Lord, we, uh, we need your strength. We need your power. We need your truth to control our hearts and our minds, thereby controlling, directing our actions of our lives. Father, we uh, hear many theories and many philosophies of man. We don't come here for those. We're not interested in what the preacher has to say about his wisdom, about his thoughts. Father, we come here for the word of God to feast on and dwell on your eternal truth. So, Father, we pray that you would speak into our lives, that you would direct our paths, that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds, that we would know Jesus, that we would love him, that we would follow him. We pray in his name. Amen. Sermon in a sentence is just a little bit longer this morning than it typically is, but hopefully you'll be able to follow it. Here's where we're off to today. Uh, we are going to ask the, try to answer uh, this statement. Since the winner of the internal spiritual battle dictates attitudes and behaviors, Jesus' disciples must engage in this conflict if we are to walk in the new life that he provides. So following Jesus is, is not a simple task. There is conflict involved. There are challenges involved. And there's an internal struggle that happens in our lives on a daily basis. As Paul mentions here, and we're going we're gonna to look at that pretty carefully in just a minute. Uh, and there's, there, there's a winner, uh, and there, there's a loser, and that changes moment by moment, day by day. But the winner dictates the way I think and the way I behave. So it's crucial that we understand what it means 
uh, to walk in newness of life. Uh, So I want to look at this passage and give you three observations about it that I think will hopefully be helpful for us this morning. The first is this, that God is taking us on a journey beyond just salvation. If you look at the front end of this, uh, this passage, you look at the, the back end, the second and last verse, if you kind of bookend it, so to speak, what you see is the same message. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's verse 16. If you skip almost to the very end, Paul says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So there's that same notion that we're going on a journey. It's more than just being saved. Now, being saved is the cornerstone. Being saved, putting your faith in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, that's the cornerstone of our salvation. And that is a one and done. You put your faith in Christ. It is there, and that is accomplished. But where you go from there until the time you see him face to face is the journey of inner transformation. It's God changing us to look more like Jesus, and part of us resisting that change, and therein lies the struggle. But it is a journey. It is God's intention that you and I are on what we would call a journey of faith. And the goal of the journey of faith is to look more like Jesus, right? Now, uh, the reason God has us on this journey is because the grace that he gives us salvation, it goes somewhere. It's not stagnant. It's actually living, and it transforms our lives. It changes us from the inside out. Steve Brown put it this way. God loves us just as we are. You need to hear that this morning. It's exactly what Scripture says. God loves us just as we are. You can't clean yourself up enough to get God to like you. He already loves you just the way you are. So many of us think, well, if I could just get my act together, then maybe God will like me. No, God already loves you. He's loved you since before the creation of the world. He set Christ for you before you, were, before you were even born. God knew you, and he's calling you to himself. And your effort, your energy, your work in that is not the important thing. God loves you just where you are today. But Brown goes on to say, but he loves us too much to leave us in our present condition. God wants us to grow in our faith. God wants us to go on this journey of faith. Now, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound great? A journey of faith. I mean, that just sounds so wonderful. I just want to go on a journey of faith. I mean, I get this picture if I close my eyes. I'm in New England, and the leaves are changing. And they're all beautiful colors, and I've got the windows down. I'm driving along on my journey of faith, and it's just so joyful. Katie was, uh, went to college at Charleston. Our middle child went to college at Charleston. He used to go pick her up, and I would drive uh, over across Kentucky into Tennessee and then into North Carolina and through Asheville and then down through Asheville into Charlotte. And when I went in the spring to pick her up, the, the flowers on the side of the road were just amazing. And it was like 71 degrees. It was just perfect. And it was even really great if you got behind a guy with a radar detector because you could knock a few minutes off your time. And the flowers would really whiz by. Monica, I've turned over a new leaf. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, but this is just a journey of faith. Look at the flowers. Look at the leaves. It's just so beautiful. I was actually in, um, in northwestern Minnesota two summers ago before I turned over my new leaf when I got pulled over by a state trooper who accidentally thought that I was going over the speed limit. And now we're in northwestern Minnesota and there's nobody for hundreds of miles but him and me and he's really lonely. So he's like, so what what are you doing in these parts, eh? I said, well, I'm on this journey over to North Dakota. 
Uh, and what I didn't tell them, because I didn't get a chance to, was that I, on my bucket list, I want to get to all 50 states. And in the, US, in the continent, I still have North Dakota and Montana and Idaho. So I'm like, I'm going to get to North Dakota. So I'm going over to North Dakota. He says, oh, why would you want to do that? There's nothing over there but, but oil rigs and, and sunflowers. There, there's nothing else over there, eh? And I said, well, I, I, I want to get there. It's a beautiful day. And he goes, well, just slow down and be careful. And go on. And it's just this journey of faith going to look at the sunflowers, right? No, that's not the journey that we're on. If somebody told you that that was a Christian faith, they lied to you. The journey of faith is treacherous. The journey of faith is filled with all kinds of potential missteps and anxiety. The journey of faith can be very, very perilous. In fact, at times, Paul says, as we're going to see this morning, spiritually can actually be violent. So God calls us to understand this journey. And to step into it, not with self-confidence, but with faith in him. So the journey is beyond salvation. My second observation of this text is welcome to the Colosseum. Now, you've probably seen this picture, or not, maybe not this picture, but the notion of the Colosseum, right? The gladiatorial battles, the, the, the fights that take place, the life and death kind of struggles. Now, when Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians, the Colosseum in Rome hadn't quite been finished yet. It probably wasn't going to be finished for about another 20 years, but there were amphitheaters all over the Roman Empire where these life and death battles with wild animals and gladiators, or gladiator to gladiator, where these battles were already taking place. And Paul uses this kind of language to describe the journey we're on. The first thing he says is that there are two powers that are active here. If you look at verse 16, verse 16 says, but I say walk by the Spirit, and notice it's a capital S, that's God's Holy Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we have the Spirit of God against the flesh. What does the flesh mean? The flesh is is one of two things. As a believer in Jesus, the flesh is me when I ignore Christ, when I'm rebellious and self-centered. If it's before I become a Christian, it's how I live all the time. I'm in rebellion against God. But there are moments after my salvation, if you're a disciple of Jesus this morning, if I'm a disciple, we put our faith in him, there are still moments in our lives where we say, Lord, I know I'm supposed to be going this way, but doggone it, not today, I'm going this way, right? That's the flesh. And Paul says that is an active power in our lives balanced by the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And so Paul says there are two powers that are working in our lives every moment of every day. Secondly, says there are two opposite desires going on here, right? The desires of the flesh are what? They're against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are what? They're against the flesh. So the notion here is that the desire of the flesh is what? It's for me to live for me. It's to me to get what I want when I want it the way that I want it. If I have to climb over you or go around you or go through you to get what I want, I don't really worry about that. I'm looking out for me. That's the flesh as opposed to the Holy Spirit who does what? The Holy Spirit honors God. The Holy Spirit brings glory to Jesus. And as he does that, as he transforms our hearts, it always ends up working out in our relationship with one another. So we begin to be kind and we begin to be gracious. When the Holy Spirit is in charge of my life, self-centeredness is on the retreat. And my care, my honoring of Christ and my care for others comes to the forefront of my life. 
So uh, Friday night, Cindy and I are at a restaurant here in town, 119 North, and we're having dinner. We're kind of in this side little kind of a cubby area up in the window, and there's another table next to us. It's a real little small area. We're having dinner, and, and 119 North is a small plate thing, so you get a little bit of this, you get a little bit of that, and, and we're having dinner, and we're almost done with our dinner when uh, mom and her teenage son come in and sit down. They start looking at the menu, and the server comes up, and she tells them things, things and brings them some water, and she leaves, and the mom looks at the son. Now, again, they're right here. I'm not trying to eavesdrop. You just can't help but hear, and she says, how about we share some Brussels sprouts, All right? And Cindy starts to smile, and she's uh, kind of, you know, because she loves the Brussels sprouts. And the mom, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the mom in the corner of my eye, and she's kind of smiling about the Brussels sprouts. And then I look at the, at the young man, and he's like, you know, please, God, someone come rescue me from Brussels sprouts. So being the quiet, shy, mind my own business guy that I am, I look at him, and I say, stand your ground, brother. Be, be strong, you know. At which, at which point the mom goes, like that. But then Cindy smiles, so she smiles at Cindy. Cindy goes, oh, the Brussels sprouts are wonderful. The Brussels sprouts are great. And so now I'm looking at Cindy like this, and we got this triangle thing going. And, uh, and I'm like, uh, you know, I don't want to smell Brussels sprouts. I certainly don't want to. They're terrible. You could, you could disguise them as, as chocolate-dipped Oreo cookies. I wouldn't eat them. They're awful. They smell bad. They taste bad. So I'm going to save this kid from Brussels sprouts. And the woman says, you know, how, how bad do you think they are? And I said, well, let me tell you something. If you promise to never make this young man ever eat a Brussels sprout in his life, I will take my wallet out of my pocket and I will pay for your entire dinner right this second. <laughs> to which she said, would you please go away? So, but all I could think about was honoring God and saving this young man from Brussels sprouts. Now, that's a really dumb example, right? That's terrible, right? But how often do you and I naturally think about others? How often do you and I look at somebody, you know, whatever the situation, a stranger on the side of the road or your best friend, and our immediate thought is, I got to care for this person. And in caring for this person, I'm honoring Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do, but it's the opposite desire of my flesh. So we have two opposing powers. We have two opposing desires, and it leads to what naturally happens when you got, when you got two guys that are kind of bowing up against each other. At some point, they're going to go, right? At some point, it's going to happen, and this is going to turn into uh, a pretty heated debate, if not a physical confrontation. Look at verse 17, right? These are opposed to each other. Now, that word opposed in the Greek means they're gladiators, and now they're going to fight. And, and one's going to die, and one's going to live. They're, they're going to fight to the death. Now, you cannot kill the Holy Spirit, right? He's not talking literally. He's talking figuratively, figuratively but here's what he's saying. He's saying that the Spirit wants to kill my flesh as the greatest favor he could possibly ever do for me because the more my flesh dies, the more I look like Jesus. The more love I am with my Heavenly Father, the more I, I appreciate what Christ did for me on the cross, and the more I care for you. The more I love you, the more I want you. Forget the Brussels sprouts. The more I want your life to be a life that is embraced by the grace and the mercy and the compassion of Jesus. And so we, we, we see this battle taking place, and it's gladiatorial language. It's the fight to the death because my flesh is stubborn. It's not going to go quietly into the night. It's going to fight for, for the selfishness. And so when I have those moments where I'm just, it's all about Tom, 
The flesh is, has the upper hand at that moment, but God doesn't leave us alone. And he keeps coming back and he keeps coming back with grace and mercy and new life that he gives us through the Holy Spirit. They're two antagonists. They're opposed to one another. But there's also two different outcomes. Look at verse 17. Why is the flesh working hard? What happens? Well, it keeps me from doing the things that I want to do, that I know I should be doing as a believer in Christ. So one outcome when I go with my flesh is what? It's a failure to think and act as a follower of Jesus. The other side of that is when I, when I trust in the Spirit, when I'm following him, what's happening in my life? I'm living as one of the redeemed of God. I'm bringing glory to Jesus and I'm making a difference in the people's lives around me. But also notice that Paul says that the outcome is radically different, but also notice where he tells us to put our hope for the outcome. Look at what he says in verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a disciple of Christ, if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, your hope, my hope, is not in keeping the rules, right? We are led by the Spirit, which means what? If you're led by someone else, you're submitting your will to theirs, right? So you get in the car and you're driving and you get lost and you tell the person next to you, you know, punch that into Google, find out where we're supposed to go and you just tell me where to turn and I'll turn there. And you tell me when to go straight and I'll go straight there. You're submitting your will actually at that moment to the person's use of Google Maps, but you're letting them lead. Paul says to every Christian, let the spirit of God lead you. Let him be the one in control. It's not about you keeping the rules. It's not about a self-righteousness, but rather it's about submitting to God's Holy Spirit. And welcome to the Colosseum every day for the rest of your life if you're a believer in Jesus. This is the struggle of Christian faith. This is the journey of Christian faith. Every once in a while, we get to see the beautiful leaves of New England or the glorious uh, flowers coming up in the mountains of North Carolina, but other times it's dark and it's scary. Mostly because we look at our own lives and we can't believe how, how bad we really can sin or how good we really are at sinning, I guess, might be a, a, a better way to say it. Sometimes the circumstances of our life seem to be spiraling out of control and we can't help but lash out with hatred and anger and fear and divisiveness. And in those moments, God says, I want to lead you in a different pathway. I want you to trust me. I want you to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. But it's going to be every day of your life and mine which leads me to my third observation of this text and that the outcomes are very easy to identify. Look at verse 19 through the first part of verse 21. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident. I want you to notice that word work in particular, right? What happens when, when I am living for me? What does that look like? When my effort and my energy is expanded in a way that dis honors God, right? When my sinful effort and energy are in full view, what do we see? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Wow, that's a wonderful list, isn't it? Right? If you look at that list carefully, it has two ingredients to it. One is the attitude of the heart. And so I've underlined some of the words that are more attitudinal in nature, right? So enmity is hatred towards 
someone, right? Anger is an emotion that you feel if you, you don't feel like you've gotten your way. Jealousy is wishing you had something and being angry that someone else has it. These are the attitudes of our lives, but those attitudes sprout into actions. They sprout into behaviors. And so some of these other words are more behavioral oriented, sexual immorality, sorcery, strife, right? So, so fighting, rivalries, divisions, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. So we see both attitude and action, attitude and behavior. In a word, when the flesh is working and I'm ignoring the spirit of God, it becomes all about me and what I want and the way I want it. And these words will pop up in the behavior in my life. So you could say the works of Tom Ricks are, and you could just leave that list alone and it would be accurate. There isn't a sin on that page that I am incapable of committing. And the vast majority of them are things that have been evident in my life from time to time. I stand in need of the cross of Christ as much or more than anybody else in this room this morning. When the works of the flesh are, are in full swing, it's incredibly evident. You can see it from a mile away. I was uh, reminded this week about an incident that happened at Yale uh, almost a year ago, not quite, about 11 months ago, and some students got really angry with a teacher. And I it actually thought that the professor was trying to protect their, their, first, their first Amendment rights of freedom of speech. But they were, the, in the video clip I saw, these, she was surrounded by these students, and they were just screaming at the top of their lungs, and almost like as they were yelling at her, spit was coming out of their mouths, and they were just filled with hatred towards her, and they were demanding that, they, that she apologize for the terrible things she had said, and their main thing was this, you hurt my feelings. That's what I kept hearing one person say over and over again, you hurt my feelings, you hurt my feelings. It's all about me, is what that person was saying, that moment, and the enmity and the strife and the divisions and the divisiveness were on parade for anybody who happened to be looking at YouTube on that particular day. That describes our lives apart from Christ. The outcome is obvious, but that's not the only outcome. Look at the second half of verse 21. And I warned you as I warned you before. Those who do such things, those who live in this way, those who reject Christ, who do not put their faith in Christ for salvation, those who embrace this way of living, will not inherit the kingdom of God. The outcome is not just in this life. The outcome is everlasting in nature. It is eternal separation from God's love and his new life. But just as easy as that wretched piece of it is identifiable, so is the beautiful side of the thing. If we look at the next verses, Paul says this, but notice the word is different, not the work of the Spirit, right? But the fruit of the Spirit. What is the evidence of the Spirit of God in my life? How do I know if, if I'm saved, if, if, if God's actually doing something in this new life within me? Well, some things will be present simply because the Spirit is present. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Those are attitudinal in nature, right? A result of the Spirit's presence, but it's also behavior. I love you. I am joyful. I am a peacemaker. I am practicing patience. I act out kindness toward you. I try to save you from Brussels sprouts, right? I, 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 will, I will give my energy and my efforts for you. I am, I am controlled in my reactions when, when folks maybe have uh, a word against me. There's goodness in my heart. I am faithful. I'm a friend that you can trust. And, and I even can be gentle at times 
where I stop and think, you know what, I, I, I've got to be really soft here because this person is very fragile. The fact that God can do that in my life is astounding. And it is only because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when we look at these things, we don't go, oh, look at what a great person I've become, right? We say, what a great God, that the Spirit of God would, would live in me in such a way as to make me somebody who actually loved people unconditionally. That seems impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The presence of the Spirit, those things can happen. And it's kind of as, as plain as the nose on your face. I begin to, to behave with, with kind words, with, with generosity, with care, with selfless love. I actually want to ask you this morning, because I have a couple minutes left, I want to ask you for a new friend that I have. Her name is Shannon, and she and I have been together on three different occasions. The last one was last Friday. She's becoming one of my regular Uber riders. And Shannon's probably 22 years old, and she works at a restaurant here in Kirkwood. And she is a sweet, sweet person, and she is lost. On Friday, she wanted me to pick her up and take her to a bank in De Pere because the place where she works... Um, that's where, their biz, that's where they bank, and they, she knew that they would cash the check. So we're headed that way, and she goes, now when we get there, we might have to go back to my house, and she lives way down on the east, east end of Maplewood because I don't have my ID with me, right? Now, as an Uber driver, you go where the person tells you to go. You don't ask any questions, but I know as a dad of, I've had three teenagers in my house, there's not a bank in the world that's giving you a penny if you don't have an ID, right? So now I have a choice to make. Am I going to live for Tom or am I going to live for Shannon? I said, Shannon, hang on a second. You don't have your idea with you? She goes, no, I left it at home. I said, well, Shannon, I can just tell you right now, and I've already turned and right. She goes, where are we going? I said, we're going to your house. Why we I said, you're, you're not going to, they're not going to cash your check, sweetie. We got to go get your ID. So we're driving east on Manchester. I said, Shannon, is there, and, and it was one, a bank that isn't one of the big ones. I said, Shannon, is there a branch closer to your house? She goes, I, I never thought of that. I don't know. Maybe there is. So we dialed 411, and I said the name of the bank, and we called the branch out to Parrot. I said, is there another, do you have another branch? I'm in East Maplewood. She goes, oh, we've got one right over on Forsyth on Clayton. And Shannon's like, where's that? And I'm like, I'll tell you. So we go to her house. She gets her thing. She has a cigarette on the sidewalk. She gets back in the car. We go over to Clayton. We get her check. And she goes in, she cashed it. Now she comes bounding out of the bank with one of those white, hey, I've got a whole bunch of cash in my hand envelopes. <laughs> running right along. She gets in the car. I said, Shannon, now I'm going to act like your dad. Don't you ever run out of a bank again with a handful of cash in your hand saying to everybody, if you grab this and run away, I won't have any more money, right? Okay, $600 in an envelope. Hide, you know, put it under your shirt, put it in your, do something. with. She goes, you're right, you're right, you're right. So then we, we drive back home. Why did you do this for me? You could have just driven me out there. Why did you do this for me? Shannon, I, I, I love people because Jesus loved me. That's why I did it. Okay, see you later. Chopped out of the car. She was gone. <laughs> right? Right. But I promise you, that conversation will go somewhere. Right? Because she saw something that she wasn't used to seeing. And people that know me would say she saw something that t normally you wouldn't see in Tom Ricks. There's just as good a chance as he would, he would have gone the other direction, right? He could have just gotten really frustrated with you and believed that, that you're, you're, you haven't figured this out by now, right? When the Spirit of God works in our lives, he takes us in a radically different direction. But brothers and sisters, it's a journey, and it's a tough one. 
It is not easy. So Paul gives us some application, and I want to give that to you in the last few minutes. In these last three verses of this passage, we have some really great application. The first is this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, you should underline that. If you're a disciple, you belong to Christ Jesus. He doesn't belong to you. You belong to him. I belong to him. We've crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. We need to learn to live in God's reality that we belong to Jesus, that we are secure in our salvation, that we are free to not sin. We can actually go in a different direction. People that don't know Christ, if you're seeking God this morning, if you're wondering about God, I'll be the first one to tell you in all humility, you don't have the ability to not sin. Eventually, it's going to come around to just being about you, and you're going to do what you want to do for you. We don't have the ability, we don't have the strength to go the other direction. Only God does. But when we belong to Jesus, he gives us the ability to not sin. Second application of verse 25. Not only need to learn to live in God's reality, but we need to learn to live in God's power, right? If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. I'm alive, not spiritually, not because I'm a smart guy, but because God's a gracious and merciful God. And I need to move away from living in my own power and living in His power. You know, I know everybody wants to be super Christian, I know everybody wants to kind of do it on their own strength, and you want to have a big S, and you want to have a cape, but not all of us can be super Christian. So I'm the only one that can be super Christian this morning, because that's my bitmoji. But what happens to super Christian is, is actually what's in that container is, is the flesh, and that's the super Christian's kryptonite. And if you could see the next picture, it would be Superman face down, and you'd only see his hands because that container would have squashed him, because he doesn't have the strength to be super Christian. There's no such There's only a super God. There's only a super powerful Holy Spirit who transforms and changes our lives. We need to not only live in the reality of belonging to Christ, but we need to learn to live in God's power and the Holy Spirit. He's given for our good to call out to him, to lean on his strength and his power, to submit our will to his and trust him even when it seems like he's calling us to do things that, that don't help us very much. We need to believe that in the end they actually do. And then verse 26, because we're not saved to just an individual relationship with Jesus, we're also needing to learn to look out for each other. Paul says, don't let this get away from you. Keep an eye on each other. Notice what he says, let us. He, 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 he takes it to the plural. A lot of this has been you, you, me, me. Now it's us, the body of Christ. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And the only way that happens is if we keep an eye on each other, if we look out for each other. If we understand that if we, if we see some arrogance in, in the life of our pastor, that we gently and kindly but directly say, hey, pastor, that wasn't your best moment ever, right? That S isn't on your chest, Tom, right? It's, we got to look out for each other. We got to take care of each other because it's a hard journey. It's tough to trust the Holy Spirit. It's tough to take your hands off the wheel and let him direct the steps of your lives. But let me take us back to what Steve Brown said earlier, this journey that God is taking us on. God loves us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us in that condition. Praise God that he gives us the spirit who battles for us, for our transformation, for us being more like Jesus. It's a journey worth taking. Will you pray with me? Father, we praise you this morning for the gift of the Holy Spirit for the clear distinction between these these two powers. Lord, if we're all honest, it's easy for us to identify the flesh. We've seen it last week.
uh, we'll probably see it again this week, times when we just act like we don't even know Jesus. We end up not only not glorifying you, but we end up being harmful to others. So, Father, in in a sense, protect us from ourselves, from the old self. Remind us that we belong to Jesus. Call us to, to, to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit, to trust in him. And Father, may we always be a congregation that looks out for each other, loves one another enough to help one another in following you and trusting you and growing in this journey of faith. It is perilous, but at the end of the journey will be a welcome home. To that day, Lord, we look with great anticipation. In the meantime, Father, maybe because we live by the Spirit, may we walk by the Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Please stand with us.